the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Let's look at our text. I'm going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. And as I said before, I've set the uh, Amplified aside till we get through 2 Timothy. So if you're wondering what I'm reading out of, I'm reading out the New American Standard. Paul writes, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sin, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janez and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres' folly was also. In verse 1, Paul establishes that connection between chapter 2 and chapter 3. And after he has just, as I read for you earlier, articulated what the doulos, the servant of God, looks like, he goes on to describe what some of the church will look like in the last days. And again, I'll remind you that that's the church age. Okay? And this will continue until Christ returns. The word times there actually means seasons or time periods, plural. And what it describes is really indicative of what we've gone through. It describes an ebb and flow of intensity in the assault on the church. For us in, in America, we have experienced very little of it in comparison to others. But it is ramping up, right? And there is an ebb and flow to this attack. 
And it's just like God's will in your life in terms of what you experience and what you grow in. And so you have seasons of rest and then seasons of hardship. It's the same thing only on a much larger scale. We're talking about the whole of the church here. Okay. The Greek word for difficult is only used one other time. And that's in Matthew 28 to describe the violent demoniacs. It describes a violent, savage, merciless attack. Paul says, realize, and he realizes in present tense. It means keep ever aware, keep ever conscious of the relevance of what I'm telling you. Don't let this slip away. Always remember that you are living in the last days. Verse 2. For men will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, verse 3, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal haters of good. And Paul begins naming the disease before he ever lists the symptoms. So you look at the very beginning of that. He says men will be lovers of themselves. And then he tells you what comes of that. What flows from self-love? Every sin flows from this love of self. And Paul is describing the condition of the souls of men. And the word there for man is anthropos. It's a generic reference to humanity. And this is interesting. It says that they are self-lovers. And as one teacher pointed out, that Greek word there describes having an affection for. It's also sometimes translated as a kiss. And the pronoun that he uses, themselves, so basically they're kissing themselves, they're in love with themselves. That's what's being said there. So, out of this self-love flows all that Paul describes. Again, this is not agape, it's not spiritual, it is a godless distortion that is advocated by some in the church. For the Christian, the enemy only gains the ground we surrender. You've heard me say that before. And when we live for self, when we give ourselves over to the flesh and its appetites and self-love, we've just surrendered the ground. Because God has a greater love than self-love. Now, I know people uh, camp on the verse that says, you know, we should love another as ourselves. But it's not commanding us to love ourselves, it's commanding us to love another. There is nothing in Scripture that commands us to love ourselves. It tells us what God has made us, but He made it in His love. And the love that I possess for all that God has done is the love that He has shed abroad in my heart. It's not a self-love. It's just like there's some, some that teach we ought to have pride in who we are as Christians. No. There's absolutely no scriptural reference for us to, be in, to have pride. What we need to have is confidence in what God has done. Confidence in the truth, not pride. Because pride is inevitably coming from flesh, who we are in the body. Okay, out of the self-love flows all that Paul describes. It's not spiritual, as I said, it's a godless distortion. In Romans seven eighteen, Paul writes... For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And what he's talking about is not the spirit within them, but the flesh itself. There's nothing good in the flesh. 
That body is still living under the curse of sin. All of those appetites, all of those pathways, all of those coping mechanisms, they're all resident in the flesh. And what if I told you about temptation and sin? Where does it start? Always in the flesh. Always in the flesh. So, what's one of the first things we're going to talk about? Ignore the truth of this and you'll enter into an affair with the flesh and you'll end up believing that's true love. And look what flows out of love of self, beginning with an inordinate affection for money. Now, why is that? Because money will provide for my flesh all that my flesh needs to love itself. That's what that's about. Paul warns about the dangers of loving money in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he says, But for those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare that many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And now you remember me preaching on that, but the truth of the matter is that whenever we put our focus on something other for provision, something other than God, whether it be money or whatever it is, we've immediately pierced ourselves. We've immediately given ourselves over to walking in the flesh. Money may be God's tool. Money may be the instrument that He uses. But it's not God. And it will not give you what you were designed to get. It will not complete you. I mean, hasn't that been proven by mankind? It says they are boastful. The Greek describes traveling shysters, conmen, snake oil salesmen, if you will. They know what to say and they know how to gain your trust and your confidence. I don't know if you've ever been the victim of a con man, but they can sure make you think they're on the, you know, they're, they're on the up and up. Arrogant, narcissistic, a confidence that makes them believable. And we have a lot of that going on nowadays. Somebody, you know, some of these guys are just so determined in what they believe, even though it's so wrong. But they've got a following because they are very confident in what they believe. Revilers, that refers to blasphemers, mockers, critical people, contempt for everybody but themselves, and sometimes themselves too. Critical people are typically that way. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 5 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as important, more important than yourselves. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, there's only one way you're going to have that attitude. That's if Christ is your life. This is not something that you're being commanded to manufacture in your soul. This is something that you are to yield to. And you will never ever be able to see others as better than yourself as long as you're looking to promote yourself in the flesh. There will always be that level of comparison. You can't boast unless you're comparing, can you? You say, I'm good looking based on what? Well... You know, just look at old Todd over there. (laughs) I'm good looking compared to him. Always it's a comparison. 
And when we live in comparison, we live in bondage to the flesh and to the accuser. And we are pierced. All right. Arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Now, to many, this may seem like a footnote. All right. But it is extremely important. It's an important point. How do we know this? Because Scripture mentions it over and over again in the Old and New Testament. Both books. And this reflects the defiance and arrogance of the flesh that many parents indulge because it's easier to ignore than to confront and discipline. And when you see a child consistently exhibiting this, It's an indication that the child has not been lovingly, consistently disciplined to respect authority. That's what's going on. Parents, this may seem like a minor thing today because we distract ourselves. And we can, you know, even when they're being terrible, we can go stick them in front of a TV and walk away, right? But this is an abuse of their souls. Failure to discipline your child is an abuse of their souls. It's not teaching them to honor authority. It's teaching them to question and reject authority. I saw a meme that showed a kid throwing a temper tantrum in the checkout line. How many of you have seen that? And it asks the question, where are they now? And then it shows a group of hysterical protesters screaming about something. <laughs> well, that's probably true. Ungrateful. Gratitude is only realized in the recognition of the grace and mercy of God. I didn't know gratitude until I recognized His grace and mercy towards me. I really didn't. I mean, I was always glad to get what I got and get out of what I got out of. But true gratitude is recognizing the loving hand of God and His kindness, His unmerited favor towards you. And if you express gratitude, then you put it in that context. You put it in that context. And you know what? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. You know why? Because in giving thanks, we recognize that this is not what we deserve. This is what He has chosen to give us by His grace, His mercy, and His love. It is, it is recognizing His love. It is embracing the truth of a God who provides, a God who cares. All the things we see, sing about, it's the truth. Romans one twenty one says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They couldn't give thanks. You know what that tells me? True thanksgiving is a spiritual matter. It's something that the Spirit of God sets into your heart and allows you to express. And it is a blessing to be thankful. Unholy. You know what that means? Unconsecrated. Now you can be unholy in your behavior, but if you're unholy in your being, you don't belong to the Lord. Unloving. The Greek word there means without natural affection. It is not love on any level, not even love of the flesh. It's without affection. Irreconcilable. Will not hear wisdom. Will not seek or acknowledge God. It holds tight to bitterness. You know, unreconcilable people are people that don't want to be reconciled. 
And you see that in today's society all around you. There are people that walk around boldly in the face of truth, denying everything that's put before them in order that they can stay bitter and mad about something. They don't want to be reconciled. Malicious gossips. Now, that comes from the Greek word diaboloos. You know what it comes from that word? Whose name comes from that word? It's where we get the word devil. He's also known as the accuser. It is the work of the enemy. Gossip is the work of the enemy. If you gossip, you're complicit with the enemy. Pretty harsh, huh? Without self-control. Now, the Greek word actually means without power. Self-control, apart from the Spirit of God, is an oxymoron. We have no control over the flesh. We have absolutely no control over the flesh. We can decide who it's going to be yielded to. Right? It can either be an instrument unto righteousness as it is yielded to the Spirit of God, or it can be an instrument unto wickedness as it is yielded to the enemy. But we have no control over it. And, and for us to think that we do is to fall into a trap. How many of us have said to God, if you will do this, I will stop doing that or I'll start doing this, right? And it went... Right? Fell on its face. All your determination. We're going to get up at five every morning, Lord. I'm going to pray for an hour. Then you find yourself asleep at seven. Or worse yet, I'll give you personal experience. I fell asleep on my knees in front of the couch. Woke up and both my legs were dead. <laughs> then I had, you know, fell prostrate before the, before the throne there. It was, uh, it was pretty bad. I figured it was punishment for not fulfilling my end of the bargain. You know, that's a bunch of hogwash. It is. All right. Without self-control. Brutal. That means untamed. Savage. Fierce. Haters of good. Opposed to goodness and good men. Opposed to truth and the, to the work of God. Then verse 4. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Treacherous, it's the same word as they use for Judas. It reflects an exclusive loyalty to yourself. You will always come first in your thinking. So loyalty is self-centered for you. Conceited. And this word has an interesting Greek twist to it. In the Greek it means to wrap yourself in smoke. In other words... You have covered yourself in something that has no substance whatsoever. To wrap yourself in smoke, to puff out with pride, to be filled with your own sense of self-importance. Kind of reminds me, I, I found myself doing that on occasion, and I always think we had this, uh, we had this dachshund, a miniature dachshund, and he thought he could take on anything and everything that came around. Now, you talk about pig-headed. That dog was really pig-headed. And I think, you know, I used to watch him and I think, Lord, that is me. That is me. Here I think I'm big stuff and I'm nothing but this little bitty wee dog. Being puffed up with pride, boastful, arrogant, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does that describe our society or what? Even the church, right? I mean, it describes our culture. And I've read a lot of commentaries. They're pretty harsh. 
One theologian remarked, the church has become a concert hall, a place of entertainment, a place for individual expression. Pastors are all about soothing our world-frayed nerves. They are treating the symptoms of carnality rather than pointing to the truth. Harry Ironside wrote, the church of God has gone into the entertainment business. People want to be amused, and the church needs the people's money, and the church must perform, supply the demand, and meet the craving. Unquote. People prefer an upbeat talk to the pointed truth. They want to hear about the love and acceptance of God, but don't recognize the importance of walking in the truth of it. Now that was written over 60 years ago. We are to love God and God alone. We are to return to Him the love that He has poured into our very being. This should be the motivation for walking in truth. The church should never allow the truth of that love to become second to the appetites of the flesh. Verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men. Form without substance. Form without substance. It's illustrated by death, the death of the body. Once the substance of man departs, the physical begins to decay. The form is liturgical or soulish. It is a man-centered worship without substance. This describes the modern church that has been given over to soulish expression rather than worshiping in spirit and in truth. And you've heard me speak on this many times before. And you know the difference. Most of you guys in here are regulars. You know the difference. You know the difference in your own soul, in your own experience. You're living in one paradigm or the other right now. You're sitting in one or the other right now. And the question is, where is your focus? What is your passion? And he says, avoid such as these. Such as what? Such as all those people who are expressing the very things that he's named. Avoid them. Verse 6 and 7. For among them are those who enter into the households and captivate women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses, always uh, learning and never able to come to the truth, the knowledge of truth. Now, I've known a lot of people in my day that are they're consummate learners. They're thinkers. They're constantly listening, reading, picking up all kinds of things. But they're not living in the truth of what they have taken in. They're not allowing the truth of Christ to be revealed in what they're reading. They're just looking at the methodology. They're looking to know about God rather than to know God. And so what happens is that you develop almost what you would call a religious carnality that says, Oh, I know all of that. So you'll have people that will come like to one of our services, and they say, oh yeah, I've heard all that before. That's it, semantics. You can try to tell somebody about the life of Christ, and oh yeah, well, I know all about that. When in reality, if they knew it, they would be living it, but they don't. They don't. What we have to watch is constantly growing in the pride of knowledge, the same temptation that Eve fell into. She felt like that if she could know about God, she could be her own God. And what this is, is it's about facilitating the flesh. It's about knowing where the boundaries are. 
so that you can live on both sides of it. Always learning. And it talks about weak-willed women, but I want to tell you something. What they really describe here is these guys are, are teachers that would creep into the homes of those people who really had no foundation in truth. And they would spend time convincing them of why they should be following them. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If all you know about truth is just what you pick up here on Saturday and what you see on Facebook and maybe the devotional that you read, well, guess what? It's not just weak-willed women that get led astray. It's you too. Because you are only held safe in the truth of the active and ever-present God within you. And the more you know about it, the more you can embrace it. But if you are keeping a nominal relationship with your God, if you're keeping your understanding kind of at arm's length, if you're flirting with the world on one hand and then claiming devotion with God on the other, but if you are doing that, if you're playing both sides, there's a duality in your soul and it comes from walking according to the flesh. Because when you're walking according to the Spirit, there is no duality. When your heart is for Him, there is no duality. When you pick up the Word of God, whether you are able to capture intellectually what is written on that page or not, you are there for Him, period. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.